0: What's up, guys? Jim Stewart and Matt Martin here for a quick follow-up for episode 13 that we just dropped last night. Uh, we found that email that uh, that we were talking about toward the end of the podcast, and it's a great email. Um, so we're just kind of devoting an entire like little blurb to it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. His name is Eric Trink, and his company is Mayd Bladen Tool. Um, we are so so. Let me just go ahead and get started. Matt, you here? you, you doing good? Yo, welcome to
1: the supplemental episode of Behind the Blade podcast.
0: All right, here we go. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read this and then Matt will dive in. And then if I got anything to add, I will I will dive in as well. This is a great question. Hey, guys. First off, I love the podcast and what you're doing. I listen to every episode multiple times, more so because my ADD is strong when I'm in the shop, but also due to the wealth of information and general chemistry you, you two have is great entertainment. I really appreciate the information and insight into the industry that you really can't get anywhere else. And speaking of, I wanted to ask you guys a question about going from small order slash custom work and crossing over into the production world. I've been making customs and one-offs for about five months now, and I will link you to my group at the end if you're curious to see what I do, and we'll go ahead and share that as well. I have just started making tie folders. This is my first go at them, but I've had some great feedback from the clients as far as the design aspect and overall aesthetics, so after this first batch, I want to start shopping around for a production facility to make them off-site while continuing continuing to do customs and one-offs. Ideally, I'm... I, I, of course, right, (laughs) right, right. Ideally, I'm looking to take them from the $500 range to a more manageable and economically friendly version. And I'm looking for some guidance on maybe who, what, where, when, and how. I know that's a lot to ask, but I'm new to this aspect and any and all information is greatly appreciated. Specifically, if I should bother reaching out to companies and maybe an idea of what they will want to see from me, like drawings, finished knives, 3d models, that sort of thing. Again, I know you guys are fixed blade manufacturers, but I figure you may you may have some people or places that I could reach out to for more information. Keep up the killer killer work, guys. I look forward to speaking with you. It's facebook.com slash group slash M A Y D Blade. So, Matt, what you got, man?
1: I'm take this. Pardon, yep. pardon the creaking, guys, as he hands me the microphone. Uh, Eric, first of all, this is a. I, I think this is. Something we all come to at some point. As a custom maker, though, my initial reaction from my gut is five months isn't long enough. Um, however, there are companies that start up without ever making customs and going directly into production models, so that's null and void. But that's just what my gut says. Uh, I, I don't know. And just a little backstory on that: I if you you need, as Todd Begg put it, you need to establish a face. And so as long as your style is consistent and it is marketable as one of your knives, then hell yeah, jump feet first into this and go for it. As far as recommending specific vendors and stuff like that, really, it comes down to your locale. And I think you shouldn't go too far from home when it comes to your outside processes. And the reason being is as you're starting off. You can burn so much time and resources into, you know, traveling out of state, checking prod. Yeah. As Jim just put it, you may not have heard logistics, logistics, logistics. Like, I mean, that really will drive you insane to the point where you're pulling your hair out and freaking out most of the time. Now, as you're moving into Thai, I can recommend one company, American Metal Exchange. Uh, speak to George over there. They do great deals for a lot of knife makers on titanium. So I'll give you that little tidbit of information. Otherwise, uh, as a wise man once told me in a previous uh, uh, vocation that I held, take all the measurements you can and then take two more. So take that approach when going to the machine shops and going to the houses. Yes, have a finished, assembled, and disassemblable model. So you want to have a knife that can be fully taken apart and field stripped down to its constituent parts. Now, also, and I think good money is spent here, have an engineer draw it for you. There's programs like Fiverr. um, There's even services available online. Maybe you can go to your local community college to an engineering program and have them engineer a blueprint of all angles a model a full model of whatever knife it is that you want to get made now what you have is you have something tangible and you have something readable by the computer programs to show this is what we're working on and uh, your first step is probably going to be a line sketch of your own that you're going to sketch the knife out and then you'll work off of your own blueprint because you can read your own language and make the knife and then take that knife meet with an engineer locally, have them design it, and then start firing that off to different machine shops with an NDA. I recommend using an NDA, and some people will balk at it. It, You know, It's a non-disclosure agreement, which means that if you send that picture to somebody, they are legally bound to not use your design without your authority. So fire that off to local machine shops. Figure out a range of parts. You're not going to have very much luck going to a machine shop and asking for, I would like six of these made. They're going to charge you probably five, 600 bucks a piece just for tying up the machines. So you want to think of a reasonable number. I think a reasonable number would be 50 to 100 units. So maybe price it at both. So when you fire off what we call an RFQ, it's a request for quote. You basically take your NDA, you take your blueprint, you look up the machine shops locally, and you call them up and say, hey, are you willing to do a uh, small quantity work, 50 to 100 pieces? And they'll ask for the blueprint and the RFQ. You fire it off to them. And now, you have different machine shops. You'll be amazed. One shop will come back and say the parts are five thousand dollars a piece. They're probably an ISO nine thousand shop with certs coming out the ass. But other shops, ma and pa shops, might be eager to jump at it. And those guys, you can have a close working relationship with too. You're not going through the gauntlet of cadre down to the machine operator. Usually, it's an owner operator uh, kind of set up in the ma and pa shop. So I would fire off to as many as you possibly can. Get the quotes back. Find out what is within your price range. What works. And if nothing comes back viable, then you need to reevaluate and there needs to be something else that's done. Maybe start reaching a little bit further than your city specifically, maybe look within your state and then start branching out. So uh, outside.
0: The, the yeah. only other thing that I could really add to that is that, um, as far as, as far as, um, changing, changing certain things. Um, if you really don't want to branch out, you have to look at making your design cheaper mm-hmm. and easier to make and easier to manufacture. So you might have to ask these guys if, if they could help, or if you could help them, um, Try to point. try to find out, try to find out exactly what you need to do for your design to make it easier for them to manufacture, which drives down the cost and the time it takes to, 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 to machine the points.
1: Jim's oh I got your button am I still going yeah uh yeah we're good uh Jim's absolutely one hundred percent right because it may be something trivial it may be a radius that you have cut in somewhere that it's difficult to get tooling or a certain bevel and so by communicating with these guys in an open line you can say where is the money going and if they say oh well it's because the jimping you asked for is so complicated then say screw the jimping let's change it let's make this more manufacturable so dialogue is imperative with whoever's gonna be manufacturing your parts um I I I wish you nothing but the best of luck man I. I I think you can definitely do this. There is going to be a lot of footwork. What you are going up against is no small task, but as everybody says in the industry, if it were easy... Everybody be doing it. So just go in armed with that. Know that there's going to be a few struggles and climbs and, uh, you'll find some really good relationships. You'll end up running into some really bad relationships. That's just the nature of the beast. So don't get discouraged when that happens. Uh, it go, we go through it all the time. I mean, with every vendor we have. Um, so just be prepared for that and make a go of it and let us know how you progress and what you find. And if you run into a specific hurdle, Look, I'm going to be completely candid with you, Eric. I am not a big fan, and I'm not directing this towards you specifically, but maybe some other listeners also. Uh, We get inundated with messages all the time. I want to start making knives. Can you tell me where to begin? Well you have to begin with a desire to make knives. And that desire is what fuels your action. So you're like, well, where do I get steel? Then it's on you to shop out the steel. So as the podcast, we're not going to tell you shop here, shop here, shop here, shop here. I mean, because not everything works for everybody. And these are also relationships that we had to put in a lot of footwork to cultivate. And not that we're keeping anything secret or arcane from you. It's just, we know that works for us. What works for you may be completely different. So take that first step source your materials, figure out the the model that you want, draw it up, have it professionally drawn by an engineer and start firing that off with your NDA to the machine shops and let them get back to you. And you'll find out real quick if you know what sinks or floats.
0: All right. I, I have very little to add, with, add to that, man. That was that was excellent. That was that was really good. So, um, Eric, I really hope that that answers your question, man. Um, and, and we will, well, I guess we'll catch you guys, I guess we'll catch you guys next time on a full episode next week. So, uh, thank you guys for, uh, for, uh, being patient on, on this smaller episode, but this is a really good question. We wanted to dive into just specifically this and kind of highlight it.
1: And I think it applies to a lot. I think it applies to a lot of you guys out there that may be scratching your head and this is in the back of your mind. So that's why it was important more than helping out Eric himself. I don't think he's alone in this, and I think a lot of you makers out there in the trenches right now are trying to figure out how to take that next step. So we thought this had some broad appeal for all you guys. So I I hope it helps. I know Jim hope it helps, and Eric, we wish you nothing but the best of luck. The rest of you guys, I, I, I hope that at least gives you the impetus to take that first step and move forward into production if that's what you desire.
0: All right, thank you very much, Matt. This is Jim Stewart signing off for Matt Martin on a very short episode of the Behind the Blade Podcast. We're not even numbering this one. No, no, not even, not even a number. So, <laughs> all right, we'll catch you guys next week.
1: Take it easy.